Welcome to the latest episode of our Sustainable Scotland podcast series. Today we'll be discussing electronic vehicles, or EVs as they are commonly known. We'll look at how they're key to Scotland reaching its net zero ambitions, we'll discuss the barriers to ownership, and also look at the benefits of owning one. The sale of petrol vehicles will be banned from 2030, meaning that all vehicles will be powered by electricity or another renewable source of energy. Head of policy at Smart Energy GB, Yagen McNeil, says this change is a huge step towards Scotland reaching its net zero target by 2045. It will also make huge demands on the country's energy infrastructure. Well, what smart meters allow people to do, and, and not just the, the consumers, but also the energy networks, is, is really manage the network better. If if we achieve the ambition of a mass rollout of of electric vehicles, there will be a higher demand for electricity on the network. The national grid as it stands can cope with that. However, it doesn't make it efficient. What smart meters do, it adds a huge amount of efficiency to the grid um, and it then helps the grid to balance those demands to make sure that it's generating energy at the time when it's when it's needed. So the data that comes from smart meters is available to, to the networks uh, and the network can then see when a demand is needed and it can generate energy to meet that demand. So it makes the entire rollout of electric vehicles far more efficient, but it also means that the demand uh, is not so much that it, it damages or, or cripples the grid. It helps us to manage the costs as a nation as well. So it means that the, co- the, the grid is operating far more effectively, far more efficiently. But the biggest thing and the most exciting thing of it, the whole issue, is the fact that by using smart meters and smart meter data, we can start to incorporate far greater uh, quantities of renewable energy, which means that when people are wanting to operate their transport in a more green and environmentally friendly way, they're not just using their vehicles in that format, but they're also charging their vehicles um, with a greater quantity of renewable energy as well. So it's a win-win for lots of different uh, reasons, and it's an exciting innovation that's about to come. It's already started, and we're seeing more and more electric vehicles being bought but we reckon over the next 20, 30 years, as, as the government targets have, have alluded to, that we are going to see more of these uh, vehicles on our streets. And we are going to see a greater uh, degree of innovation, which means that electric vehicles just become the norm. And they also become so socially acceptable that people will just be keen to get one because they become environmentally conscious. And they not only want to achieve the ambition of getting an electric vehicle, but also make sure that they're charging their electric vehicle with as much renewable sources as possible as well. There will be a higher demand for electricity on the network. Now, the national grid as it stands can cope with that. However, it doesn't make it efficient. What smart meters do, it adds a huge amount of efficiency to the grid um, and it helps the grid to balance those demands to make sure that it's generating energy at the time when it's when it's needed. So the data that comes from smart meters is available to, to the networks. Uh, and the network can then see when a demand is needed and it can generate en- uh, energy to meet that demand. So it makes the entire rollout of electric vehicles far more efficient, but it also means that the demand uh, is not so much that it it damages or, or cripples the grid. And it really means that it helps us to manage the costs as a nation as well. So it means that the co- the, the grid is operating far more effectively, far more efficiently, But the biggest thing and the most uh, exciting thing of it, the whole issue, is the fact that 
by using smart meters and smart meter data, we can start to incorporate far greater uh, quantities of renewable energy, which means that when people are wanting to operate their transport in a more green and environmentally friendly way, they're not just using their vehicles in that format, but they're also charging their vehicles um, with uh, a greater quantity of renewable energy as well. So it's a win-win for lots of different uh, reasons, and it's an exciting innovation that's about to come. It's already started, and we're seeing more and more electric vehicles being bought, but we reckon over the next 20, 30 years, as as the government targets have, have alluded to, that we are going to see more of these uh, vehicles on our streets, and we are going to see a greater degree of innovation, which means that electric vehicles just become the norm and they also become so socially acceptable that people will just be keen to get one because they become environmentally conscious um, and they not only want to achieve the ambition of getting an electric vehicle, but also make sure that they're charging their electric vehicle with as much renewable sources as possible as well. What challenges could be placed on Scotland's energy infrastructure by increased use of electric vehicles? And what role will smart meters and a smart energy system play in the uptake of electric vehicles in Scotland? The main challenge is the demand for electricity, especially at peak time. And that's the biggest concern with, with a mass rollout of electric vehicles and not having that uh, access to, to data as to when the charging uh, is happening. Smart meters and a smart energy system allow that data to be available to the networks in order for them to manage that demand peak that is likely to happen typically at the end of the working day. And that's the, probably the biggest challenge that will happen uh, with regards to the grid. But as a result of smart meters and the data, it means that networks can manage that far more effectively, but also offer tariff incentives to make sure that that peak doesn't happen uh, and that we encourage uh, electric vehicle users to charge at off-peak times so that the, the, the grid is more balanced uh, rather than the typical peak in the morning and the peak in the evening which puts a huge amount of pressure on the grid. Um, so the biggest issue is demand on the grid and smart meters really enable that to be managed far more effectively than with analog meters, which do not provide any real-time data at the moment. If electric vehicle ownership is going to increase massively, how are common concerns like range and charging being challenged? Andrew Robinson, Head of Fleets, Infrastructure and Low Carbon Consumers at Transport Scotland, says that Scotland is now well served by charging stations and points to the electrification of the A9 as an example of how electronic vehicles can help bring visitors into Scotland's smaller towns. So we know that transport is the largest contributor to harmful climate emissions uh, in Scotland. And in response to that, we know, you know, our ministers have committed to reducing our emissions by 75% by 2030 and to phasing out the need for petrol and diesel vehicles by, by the, in the same timescale. Um, and as part of that, we, we know that if we're encouraging people to make a switch to electric vehicles, we need to provide the infrastructure that enables them to confidently travel across Scotland and choose an electric vehicle in the knowledge that um, they'll be able to you know, seamlessly travel without worrying. So the We've developed a thing called the Charge Place Scotland Network, and we've been developing that since about 2013. And it's a, a network of charging infrastructure across Scotland. Um, we do so by providing funding to local authorities, to small businesses, to, to, to enable them to install 
publicly available EV infrastructure. Uh, we've invested over £45 million in the Charge Place Scotland network since uh, 2013, I'm sure. And what that's enabled us to do is to uh, provide somewhere in the region of, well, it's just over 1,700 charge points um, across Scotland, urban and rural areas. So from Stornoway to Stranraer, from, from Shetland all the way down to, to the English border. In this way, EV drivers in Scotland have access to good quality, robust, accessible EV infrastructure across the country. So the, the, we, we know that the A9 is a kind of key transport artery across most of Scotland, takes people from the central belt all the way up to all the way up to, to Scrabster. And when developing the elect the concept of the electric A9, we felt that it was important to try and make sure that what we didn't do was simply encourage people to drive non-stop from Falkirk mm -hmm. to, to Wick. What we want people to do is enjoy the A9 and enjoy all the attractions and the small towns along its length. What, that, what we also wanted to do is to make sure that all the communities along the length of the A9 benefit from the investment in charging infrastructure that we're making in it. The way we wanted to do that was to try and make sure that for many people traveling along the, the length of the A9, they take the time to do so. They stop off in local communities and small towns, they do some shopping, they buy a coffee, they put some money into that local economy. And for EV drivers in those local towns, there's also EV infrastructure available for them as well. What we could have done, to be honest, was put in lots of big rapid charging hubs right by the side of the road. But we felt that was the wrong thing to do because there wouldn't really be any sort of economic benefits for lots of, you know, for lots of these small towns. People would simply bypass them. Uh, so our strategy for the electric A9 was to have big charging hub at the start. There's a massive charging hub at Falkirk. But for along the length of the A9 to put to install infrastructure as I said, in these smaller towns, in these local communities, for that dual benefit of kind of economic, uh, they, they get that tourism money and they all, they're also able to take advantage of that infrastructure themselves. And what about the cost of electric vehicles? Are EVs not significantly more expensive than their petrol equivalents? So we do know that one of the main barriers for people buying an electric vehicle is, is the price. They are more expensive than the kind of standard petrol or diesel cars. Um, although we also know that the total cost of ownership of an electric vehicle tends to be cheaper over the lifetime of the vehicle. Electricity is cheaper than petrol and diesel, for example. Maintenance and running costs are cheaper. But obviously, if you're standing in a forecourt trying to decide which car to buy, often it's simply the purchase price that, that you look at. You're not, most people don't do that sort of lifetime calculation. In order to sort of help people and incentivize that purchase of an EV, we provide a number of financial incentives. We have our interest-free loan, which enables people to get a, to purchase an EV interest-free. We have support to install domestic charge points at, at your home or indeed at your business. And there's support and advice as well from Energy Saving Trust on types of vehicles or types of driving or what's the, maybe the most appropriate kind of vehicle for you. So all of these things come together to, to kind of help provide that little package of support. But we also constantly, you know, we're, we constantly monitor and review what's happening in the market. And we know that more and more vehicle manufacturers are bringing more and more EVs online. So it's important for us to just try and make sure that the incentives we offer, we offer at the right time and to the right people. And so, for example, that's why 
just last year, we opened up our low carbon transport loan for used EVs to help sort of perhaps lower income households who don't want to buy a new car or are put off by the high price of a new car, help them buy a used EV. And that seems to have been really successful as well. Eleanor Chalmers of the Electric Vehicle Association represents electric vehicle owners in Scotland and says that the country has the most favourable environment in the UK for EV owners. She also says that the driving experience of an electric vehicle may come as a surprise to some. Scotland's the, the best place in the UK to own an electric vehicle because we're fortunate to have a comprehensive charge point network, ChargePlace Scotland, who has a new operator due to take over in, in July in Scotland as well regarding the infrastructure. These stats might need to be a bit of a refresh, but when I, I, I last looked them up, that in Scotland, the distance to any given location to your nearest charge point is about 2.8 miles in Scotland versus just over four miles in the rest of the UK. And I'd encourage anybody that's interested in electric driving to have a look on the various charge point apps that are available to look and see where their nearest charger is. And I think you'd be pleasantly surprised with, with what's available. As well um, as the, the infrastructure, we're fortunate that the Scottish Government, as transport is devolved, is that with Transport Scotland and the Energy Saving Trust, there is funding available to purchase a new electric car, an interest-free loan, and also that has been extended to second-hand vehicles, which is fantastic As many for many people, whether it's a new EV or a, a, a normal petrol and diesel car, might be out with their, their means that it's making owning an EV potentially more affordable. And th these can be for personal cars and there is funding available for, for business vehicles. And if you're fortunate enough to live in a house with a driveway or somewhere that you can have your own charging point, again, there is additional grants and funding from the, the Scottish Government available. And for those that don't have a driveway, there's been previous schemes such as the plugged-in households to allow not-for-profit housing associations and cooperatives to apply for grant funding for access for zero-emission car club vehicles. And that I was in the scenario when I first got my EV of living in a flat and solely relying on public um, infrastructure. And that was back in 2015. And the network's just growing and growing every day. And when you are plugging in, in Scotland, we have a very green grid that you're more than likely to be charging on hydropower, wind power, especially if you're charging overnight, which the electric companies encourage us to do when there's less demand on the grid, when there's often an excess of, of renewable energies that your electric car will happily be, be topping up on. So you are driving on well, sometimes sunshine or, or wind or the hydro, as I mentioned. What I find enjoyable um, about driving my electric vehicle is how smooth and, and silent it is to drive. You really um, kind of zone in on, on your driving and it does make the, the journey a lot more pleasant. Um, but when you do need to accelerate, you have that instant torque and it's just fantastic if you've got a passenger in the car that's never experienced that, to see their face as, as the car pulls away effortlessly. And to know that my driving is having as little impact on the environment as possible. I think a lot of people who got into electric cars quite early all quite like their, their tech and their gadgets. Electric cars are, are, are full of 
fantastic technology, but you don't have to be a tech geek to be able to, to work it. It's all, all really, really simple. And another thing I absolutely love about owning an EV is there's actually an absolutely fantastic electric vehicle community. I'm on the board of directors of the Electric Vehicle Association Scotland, and um, I've met lots of people through our kind of outreach schemes and other other meetups. And everybody's so friendly and encouraging, and um, got lots of tips for each other. So it's been really nice being being a part of that from quite early on. EVs are expected to leave consumers with more money in their pockets. Jagger McNeil explains how a smarter energy system will mean more money-saving opportunities and, in the future, the chance for people to potentially sell electricity stored in their electric cars back into the grid. Electric vehicles are basically a mini power plant and they will store energy and use it for its traditional purpose uh, as a vehicle or if you're not using your car at that point, you can have a, a converter which will allow you to sell excess or spare energy in your battery back into the grid. And you will be paid for that via a, a tariff agreed with your supplier. So if you are very fortunate enough to have solar panels, which then charged up your electric vehicle, you could then sell that excess energy into the grid uh, and contribute renewable energy into the grid, making the grid greener but also making money for yourself uh, as well. So electric vehicles are more than just a mode of transport. They're a mini power plant for your home, but also for the grid. And that's one of the exciting innovations that are coming about as a result of all these technological advances, including the smart meter roller, because a lot of those innovations depend on smart meters being in homes in order for them to happen. Eleanor Chalmers says that a number of myths still exist about EV ownership, with many people believing they need their own driveway to own one. One of the most common myths um, that I'm asked about that I'm always happy to bust is that it's not possible to own an electric car when you live in a flat or somewhere that you don't have a driveway or a garage to charge your electric vehicle. And that's about one in seven people in, in the UK that are in that situation. But in my scenario, I would be charging at work. I'd charge while my car was sitting at the supermarket car park while I was in doing my weekly shop. And you get destination chargers often at cinema complexes, if it's near your gym or whatever you spend a period of time. And if you're needing a more quick charge, there is access to rapid chargers, which is as close as it is to fueling your petrol or diesel car that's the quickest way to to boost your charge so it's having a mixture of these to keep you on the on the road and charged up that's all we have time for on this episode thanks to all of today's guests and of course to you the listener for tuning in if you have any comments, ideas or suggestions for the show then please drop us an email at online at scotsman.com or message us on Twitter at The Scotsman. Also, please remember to subscribe to Sustainable Scotland wherever you get your podcasts.